Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey, my name is Jesse and I run Bento, an email marketing company. Awesome. Can you tell me the most exciting thing that you're working on right now? It would be Bento. Uh, the most exciting thing that I'm working on, a lot of the exciting stuff was last year um, when we were doing kind of like all the uh, more hardcore features with Bento, like around automation and stuff. Right now, currently, I'm doing stuff with like IP pooling and management and making sure my customers are well behaved and stuff. So it's not too exciting. Um, but actually, like some of the exciting stuff, which may relate to like this podcast, is starting to bring on like a lot more contractors onto the team. Uh, to kind of help reduce a lot of the anxiety around running a business that runs 24-7, uh, has customers in all different regions. Um, this year is actually a lot of the decisions that I've been making have been around trying to reduce my own stress. So whether that's bringing on support, paying for enterprise solutions and stuff. Um, yeah, I guess that stuff's kind of exciting. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I know that's totally going to be excited, exciting to uh, my audience, um, given this is a leadership, uh, a remote leadership podcast. Can you talk maybe through me through a little bit more about your team structure? Yeah, sure. So um, previously, like last year, uh, up until June, uh, I ran a full service agency, uh, which I ended up uh, selling and passing on to uh, some dear friends. Uh, and that was a, a really good process. And then after that, I basically moved full-time onto Bento. Uh, the business has been around for about four years, working part-time. And then again, after I like sold my agency, I shifted full-time uh, to work on uh, Bento, which has been fun. Um, the team structure is deliberately very different. Uh, and because uh, previously, like I, I had a lot of people on staff. And so with Bento, I'm trying to see how far I can go by keeping the team kind of a, as lean as possible. And, and also designed in a way that does reduce my stress quite a lot. So we've got uh, a couple of people on support, uh, both contractors, one in the Northern hemisphere to cover kind of like the sleeping time zone. Uh, someone down in Japan, just to help me um, with people in Australia, Japan, Asia, Thailand, all that. Uh, we've got a contractor in Thailand, uh, who's been amazing and been with me for the past couple of years. Uh, we've got a de graphic designer who does a lot of our like really cool art. She's in France. Um, and then we're actually, I'm hiring my old agency, uh, next week to bring on a full-time writer to help us kind of scale out a lot of the content stuff. Um, and then a little like obscure thing that we do, which is a little bit different. The whole company is running discord, which is kind of like Slack, but more community-based and a lot easier. And we actually run like our entire support channel through discord. Uh, we don't do email market more, well, sorry, we don't do email support uh, or even live chat, even though we offer a live chat product, we try and push all of our customers into discord because we're trying to scale the support side um, as low stress and kind of as low key as possible. And it seems to be working pretty well. We've got hundreds of people in there and um, people are way more polite and kind <laughs> doing support on a community-based, uh, you know, solution like Discord versus uh, over support. It's been a huge change and uh, really good for kind of like my mental health and stuff. It's been nice. Okay, that is super interesting. And I've, you're the first company I've ever heard who's done all, who's moved all of their support into <laughs> Discord. Can you maybe kind of walk through your thought process behind that and maybe how your customers have taken to that? Have you ever gotten any pushback from someone who's being like, I don't, you know, maybe he's not as tech savvy or whatnot. 
who wouldn't be as comfortable on Discord as they would be on email? Yeah, sure. So yes, there's a few points there. I'll just cover like the difficulty side. I've never had any pushback. Um, and I think that's also, that's a product thing more so than anything else. I think when you tell people, hey, the place to get support is over on this app, most people are happy to explore it because Discord was originally built for gamers um, and then now broadening out into larger communities. It uh, tends to be actually quite an easy platform for people to navigate with. Um, and so I've got, you know, I've got people from all ages, all different business types, um, all different skill sets, all different kind of tech savviness. And it, it, there's never, there hasn't really been pushback. Um, and I've, I've asked customers like, hey, like, are you happy with this channel? And everyone's basically pretty happy. Um, I've also got it like hooked up to a lot of automated stuff. So customers can see uptime, they can see a whole bunch of things that a lot of other companies aren't doing. So yeah, it's kind of cool. In terms of like how I came about it, I made a friend called uh, Caleb and uh, he's Mrs. Uh, Chia and met them uh, in the same city that I am. So I'm in South Japan and they run a business called Native Shark, which is like a Japanese learning app. It's a really cool business. I saw that they were running like all their community stuff. Like they're a B2C company. Um, and I saw that they're running like all their customer support, all their conversations, all that, like to manage a B2C company at scale, Discord was their solution. And then I was kind of like, that's cool. I'll just try this for a little bit. And tried this like before, I think I, I think before I sold my company and just started like adding people in there. Um, people slowly started to join. And then as Bento got like more successful, more people signed up, more people joined the Discord. And then slowly over time, it just kind of got more active, more active, more active. And now it's kind of like at a chill level of activity, you know, silent for a while, right? I think that's the scariest part of community stuff is you start and it's just dead. <laughs> and so you're the only one contributing. And the way that I did that was I basically just, whenever I made a change in the app, I'm posting like the change log channel and then people join, they'll see all those live updates and stuff. Um, but then, yeah, over time, customers kind of default going there for support and ask questions and customers can see other people's questions as well. So that's kind of nice because you get this like area of effect <laughs> uh, result instead of just solving people one-to-one -one in private, you solve a problem for one customer and then another customer will chip in and be like, oh, that's cool. That's super helpful for me too. And then you've now helped two people <laughs> as a side effect of just helping one. Um, and then, yeah, and then the team can be in there seeing a whole bunch of stuff because they're also in the discord so whether that's dev getting ideas or customer support uh essentially grabbing stuff this is our process now is like we'll see a conversation i can tag ash ash can extract that turn that into a doc and then we get that live on the site and it's available um with like fast search and stuff so we've got this like pretty relaxed approach to support and it seems to be working it's different but it seems to be working again inspired from like b2c native shock my friend <laughs> and uh and i was like i'll just try it with b2b and it's been really cool that i will say a lot of people always they're like but why wouldn't you use slack um because like that's kind of like the you know b2b thing slack's just not built for communities um it the invite process is really hard uh i very much dislike their account management type dealio thing that they got going um in Discord, you can throw events, have voice rooms. Um, it's just really cool, you know? Like I, I can I can actually do a webinar and I have done webinars in the Bento Discord and show people the product. I can't do that in Slack. Um, yeah, I'm probably ranting too much about Discord, but it's cool, I like it. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really awesome and really unique. So I'm completely fascinated by this. I have a couple of 
questions. Like you kind of mentioned that something where it's like you can do webinars and you can have customers interact with each other. I'm guessing you, by having this discord and making that kind of the hub for communications, it's uh, probably a massive advantage for you as a community marketing, as like a marketing channel and just like a community channel, not only for like product, but also marketing. Have there, would you say that's true or not? And have you experimented at all with ways to use Discord either for product or marketing? It's huge for, well, so from product, it's very unique in a sense that you do actually build really deep relationships with a lot of customers. Um which I just don't think you would if you were, you know, like, I, I don't know, you probably know and feel this, like a lot of email marketing companies, they're faceless companies, you sign up to them, you talk to their support, their support semi rude, they get back to you in four days, like, it's, uh, depending on the company, some of them are really good. Um, but a lot of them, uh, especially the big players where we're getting a lot of our customers from, um, they just don't really have like a, a great experience with the communities over there. Um, and so, for us, like the fact that they can send a message and like get a pretty quick reply um, or they can send feedback and get a reply from directly from me. Then often I'll reply and say like, Hey, I just shipped the feature for you. Go check your account, refresh your page. That's pretty, you know, huge from like a product side, from a sales side, less so marketing from like a sales side. uh, When we get large accounts, we've got like private channels for them. So we'll set up a private channel and that's like unreal for a lot of uh, businesses, right? Like having a direct line to the development team and the founder and being able to like send a message when you have a question. Um, it's just like a huge upsell, which is like zero effort on my end. I'm just answering DMs <laughs> essentially. Um, I'm answering DMs from a team and it's so easy for me, but that value is worth like so much to a company. So landing deals with larger companies is significantly easier with having this as a channel. And, you know, those companies go, oh, cool. If I want support, I go into Discord and I get support. Um, and I know, you know, Jesse or someone on the team is going to reply pretty quickly. Like that, that has been fairly critical for sales. Um, and I think on the marketing side, I'm really just starting to utilize it now. Like I made a cool carousel on the website where I like show a live feed of all the changelog messages that are going. And if people are curious, they can click on it, join the Discord and like see that there's activity there. And then I think, again, it goes back into sales. People go, oh, cool. Like if I try this tool, which is going to be intimidating, it's a new marketing tool that's intimidating, but I'm going to get some help if I need it. Um, Therefore, like a lot of the frictions broken down um, or a lot of the nerves because yeah, you know, switching marketing automation or email marketing platforms, is like a high anxiety event, I think. Um, and there is a lot of internal friction and a lot of that's broken down when there's a pretty friendly face, uh, that, you know, you can get in contact whenever you need. Um, you mentioned a little, a few minutes earlier talking about how you've like hosted a webinar in discord. Mm-hmm. And that's actually just another thing that kind of is fascinating because I know discord, I'm in a few discords and they have like voice rooms, but it definitely feels different than like a webinar on a webinar platform. Can you maybe talk through like what your process was for setting that up? Yeah, sure. So, um. It's a new feature. So like voice rooms and uh, what are they? There's like voice rooms and there's like another terminology, stage or something, platform. There's there's something that we can basically put your screen on and everyone watches it. There's a way now as like a new feature to schedule events. And so you can set a time, uh, choose who's like leading it. And then you basically show up and you like in quotes host the event. And then everyone can kind of join and everyone gets notified. Um, so it's effectively a webinar. 
um, and people can join and submit feedback and you can promote people to um, like lead the room and stuff. So it's very much like those voice and video rooms, but they're scheduled, themed, uh, got a title, date, all that kind of good stuff um, and fairly easy to, to schedule out and make sure that everyone's aware of what's going on. Um, I think, and also like, I think if I was to lean more heavily into this, like, let's say it turned out to be like a really cool thing for us. Um, I think what I would do is the discord API is really good. Like I, I even do, um, uh, what I call like chat ops, which is essentially like when I want to approve an account in Bento, I actually use discords commands. I've got like a Bento bot in there. So I can go slash approve slash ban slash kill. If I want to kill a broadcast that I'm seeing go out, that shouldn't be going out. Um, I've got a whole suite of commands built into discord to run my business. <laughs> so if someone emails me like, I want to cancel my account. I go slash can slash ban. And I put in their email and, uh, everything's automatically handled. Um, so stuff like that's kind of cool as well. Um, and saves a lot of time. Absolutely. That feels like it must save a ton of time. I know you'd mentioned before that like you're a lot of, a lot, your team's also in discord. Do you have any kind of strategies or tactics that you're using to kind of build collaboration and camaraderie among your team within discord? Hmm. Yeah. Within discord. No, no, it's, it's fairly separate now. And that's still like fairly deliberate this year like a lot of the focus is to keep things like fairly relaxed and chilled so um everyone's got their roles they've got their kind of like scope of work to do i have with we do cross pollinate across like all the different teams and different contractors that are working on different stuff but it's a lot less deliberate than when i was running the agency again because i want this year to be a lot more relaxed than kind of previous years um and so i'm being a lot more deliberate about actually not kind of creating too much noise and letting people have like the autonomy that they need to just kind of thrive and do their jobs also with kind of time zones, like with Ash that's in the UK, um, I'm also pretty, it's always top of mind on like when he's messaging me. Cause like, I don't want him to stay up late for me. Like I, I would like him just to, you know, help customers put together some docs and stuff and then go to sleep when he, he wants to. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to force, um, kind of, uh, events in his schedule that force him to be online at the same time that I'm online. Um, there is good crossover, but you know, I'd, I'd rather he just be relaxed and stuff. And that kind of goes with everyone. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I, I try and uh, be deliberate about not, not being too imposing on people's schedules. Cause some people are working part-time, some people are working freelance and they've got their own stuff to do. So got to be kind of considerate with that. When I was also doing the agency stuff, I also still had that kind of um, opinion. A lot of my team was uh, based in Macedonia and remotely, um, and they would do their co-working, like they would go to co-working spaces together. They would do a lot of in-person stuff. Um, and I was very deliberate about not doing calls to regularly, again, for that same time zone stuff. I just didn't want to be too draining um, as a leader. And so I kind of uh, lent more heavily on long write-ups, um, mostly long-form write-ups that were done asynchronously because that would just allow people to think, when they got their best hours, my best hours are not going to be the team's best hours. So I think it's often not right for me to push people to have a call with me when I'm strong. <laughs> They're potentially not strong on the other side. And so by leaning more on text and async stuff um, tends to be just like a much better way to communicate with others asynchronously uh, well, and remotely, I think. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I would definitely agree. Um, but you mentioned a couple of things there that I thought were really fascinating. The first being like, obviously leaning towards an asynchronous culture, given the fact of how many time zones they're spanning. 
um, within your kind of small but mighty team. Do you have processes in place for when you're bringing on, you know, a new employee or a new contractor within your team to like make sure that they're going to fit into that culture of working asynchronously? That's a good question. Um, with the agents, I got to keep comparing to the agency because because I did do different things and I think it's, it's good to kind of compare against how I do stuff now versus then. With, with the agency, yeah, like that there were, there was a trial period. Um, the new owners that have taken over the agency have like solidified that and done a much better job than I used to. Um, and there's now like a you know, much better structure around a trial period to make sure people can work autonomously and remotely before they like fully come into the agency. For now, uh, it is it is interesting. It's kind of like a, I don't know. You get like a vibe off people if they can if they can work asynchronously or not. And then generally, when I get a good vibe for whatever reason, um, I bring them on. And a lot of that's like a writing style thing. Like if I take uh, the guy Ash, who I brought on to cover the Northern Hemisphere kind of support stuff, he wrote me this really thoughtful, uh, cold uh, DM on Discord, <laughs> and um, I just was like, "This guy is elegant at writing." Um, I'm sure he could do a good job. And he is, he's crushing it. He's absolutely crushing it. But you get a lot just from, well, I personally get a lot from looking at people's writing style. If they're clear, coherent, um, got good paragraph spacing and stuff, like you pick up on a lot of that stuff. And and I, I do find a really high correlation between someone's ability to just write a DM, a private message, um, and their ability to work asynchronously. Um, I think that really strongly correlated so um because i've also seen the reverse I've, I've brought contractors on that haven't been so strong but they've been in quotes like talented um and they just haven't delivered um yeah they, they just haven't delivered mostly on the communication side more so than anything else um so yeah yeah did that answer your question absolutely cool. um i think i mean i would definitely agree with that and i I think I've asked this question to quite a few others on the podcast as well, but like writing and your writing style is definitely like the predominant way that you do communicate in a more async first team. Um, a follow on question because that I have that I'm always curious about is I know you've been running an agency or more specifically a productized service before um, moving to working at Bento full time. Um, can you maybe walk through some of like any like mindset shifts you had to have going from a service business to a SaaS company? Yeah. Um, so something that was really critical with the agency was that we had, we did everything in Basecamp and we picked Basecamp as kind of the uh, tool of choice for one specific reason. It was very easy for all clients to come in and collaborate. It was easy for um, often great writers, but maybe less technically strong um, uh, individuals to like come on the team and into Basecamp and like use the product properly. Uh, I really liked a couple of their features. One was like, uh, they've got these check-in, this like check-in uh, tool, which you can basically say like, hey, every day, you know, what did you do in the morning? So every tool has something like this. Slack's got Slackbot. I built my own one for Discord, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then for Basecamp, um, yeah, you've got the check-in feature, but asking at the start of the week, hey, like what's your plan this week? And then asking every single day, like what are you working on today? Are you blocked on anything? Was critical at being able to add more headcount and know where everyone was at. Um, and I think, again, like reflect on the new owners after they've taken on, they've got like a great kind of reporting system around that. So like 
almost like a monitoring tool for the team um, in, a, in a good way, the same way that I monitor my software product where I'm looking at my servers and making sure that everything's kind of up. They're doing the same, but with check-ins. So that was kind of critical. Moving from the agency where I was, you're really managing headcount, you're managing uh, people's energy and, and all that. With moving to SaaS, I think again, like I could probably run the SaaS business in, in a similar way to the agency, though... I'm trying to give myself a break <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying kind of like the working style now. It's a little bit more focused on creative stuff. It's a little bit more focused on just waking up in the morning and working out what I want to do. Um, and the people that are working with me on it also kind of like working that way. And so we don't really have so much routine. We, we definitely don't work in large sprints. Stuff isn't planned out ahead of time. And like, honestly, like, I love it. Like, I, I love not having to have stuff planned out six months at a time. I love the idea of not having goals. The business is growing without having any goals. So I don't really think goals are needed or even too much future thinking. And again, it's like reduced my stress quite a lot. Uh, being able to be like, all right, cool. I'm going to wake up in the morning. What am I most excited to work on? Or who am I most excited to work with? Do those things and then um, kind of keep things going. There are some downsides to that. I think... Um, if you're working with contractors or people on the team, potentially not giving clear direction uh, is not necessarily good for the long term. Uh, employees and contractors want to know where the company is going and like how they fit in and um, that they're on a good trajectory. So that's a problem that my current approach like just doesn't resolve. Uh, whereas my approach at the agency, I felt like I, I resolved that. Um, but here, yeah, uh, with the software business, but. I'm also pretty open with, with how I run the company now and open with all my contractors and open with where I'm at in my personal life um, that people understand who they're working for and what they're working on and understand the boundaries that I put up. They're more than happy to kind of, you know, uh, kind of act accordingly. And um, if everyone's kind of open and transparent, there's generally not really, really good arguments or there are kind of no arguments, um, which is kind of nice. I mean, I think you kind of just answered the like prioritization question by just being open and transparent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think that just kind of works. Right. Um, uh, the, the other thing as well, like when I have got on calls uh, with the team on the SaaS side, everyone that I've hired have been, they're just great people to work with and everyone's pretty honest and, you know, people have personal issues and stuff and I always make sure to look after them and I go through personal stuff I went through like a pretty large personal event uh last year I actually like lost my child towards the end of the year and my team was super understanding they gave me space they let me kind of do my thing and uh I'm still kind of like healing from that and so the team understands where I'm at and so everyone is quite relaxed and 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 chilled it's it's a very different environment, but a lot of that is the transparency and being honest with the team. I'm so sorry about your loss. All good, all good. You'd mentioned something kind of before that um, when you were kind of talking about how you uh, run your team in a lot more of a relaxed fashion than when you were running the agency. And you kind of mm. mentioned that you had some sort of bot that you created within Discord or something like that for like check-ins. Can you maybe elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So um, Discord doesn't have any B2B add-on products. <laughs> so like Slack does. Uh, Slackbot, when, before we went to Basecamp, we were using like Slack and Trello. Basecamp essentially replaced both of them. And uh, Slack has a thing called Geekbot. Um, 
yeah, that's the tool, Geekbot. And, and you can just configure that to pop in and DM people and then consolidate everything into a single channel. So, hey, like, what are you doing today? What are you blocked on? And then we'll just grab your team's answers and dump them into like an updates channel or something. Uh, Discord doesn't have that. And so I just built like a mini app that does that. <laughs> and I added it to my, um, my Discord. And then I asked myself questions and I asked the team questions and they're in private channels. And yeah, people just check in that way. Yeah. And I've got it kind of configured to just do different days depending on the person. Um, so yeah, and that, that works pretty nice. I can like, it's private, but it, I've configured it in a way that other people can use it if they want. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a good tool. That's awesome. It sounds like Discord is in some ways even more customizable than Slack, as weird as that might sound. Are there any like specific, you know, bots or things that you wish were easier to set up within Discord that instead of having to kind of like build it yourself? It's a good question. Um, Discord's way more extendable than Slack. Mainly, mainly they got a good, like they got the thing called like a commands API. So um, if you do have people on the team that are dev centric, then it's, it's relatively easy to kind of like put together, but they don't have any kind of like, you know, WYSIWYG no code type tools yet. I'm sure I'm, there actually may be some that exist. I just didn't really look into them. A lot of the stuff that I needed were deeply integrated with um, like the product, you know, like account approvals and banning and refunds and like, like a lot of that boring stuff. Yeah, I've got like a thing, it's called admin bot. <laughs> and I, I, it has a whole bunch of commands. And then again, I just write like slash whatever. It runs the command in private just for me. And uh, yeah, I can do it instantly. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, everything's kind of easy if um, you can code. <laughs> um, it's it's not there yet if, if you need no code solutions, I think, but maybe there's some that exist. Absolutely. Um, and going back to what you're kind of saying about kind of the different leadership and communication structures from within the agency to within your SaaS now. Do you have any additional kind of strategies for like, you know, how you go about like prioritizing customer requests if they are competing or, you know, maybe if you have like competing requests from people on your team, like, do you have kind of like a framework in place for how to like think through which one to prioritize? Um, so if I like kind of break this into like different rooms, like you've got kind of like the support and docs room and I mostly like leave that to Ash. He sees what people are kind of, you know, asking for or what questions they've got. And then I kind of leave it up to him to prioritize like what's best. And generally his decision is correct. Uh, on the dev side, very kind of very unique approach. It's very much like what I want to work on and like what colored wants to work on or whatever me and the contractor want to work on. Um, we made some decisions last year. There were a couple of like really large projects around like data architecture and like moving our primary storage to potentially different like database solutions stuff. And I decided to kick the can down again, because of the stuff that I went through, decided to kick the can down for the year. Um, but on general features, like whether that's working on requests by customers or whatever, it's what we've got the most energy for in, in, in a given day. And yeah, like what, what kind of needs the most attention. So it's almost like bubble up product development. I kind of like wait for stuff to bubble up and either address it uh, if, it's, if it's definitely needed. So if a lot of people are asking for something um, or it's drastically needed, you know, I like created this full IP pooling and rotation system on the weekend um, to manage like our customers kind of reputations a lot better. Um, 
that came up because of like an instance and then just worked on it and now that's all done and then i think later today i'm going to work on some cool doc stuff and then tomorrow i'll probably return to automations because a whole bunch of cool things i want to kind of upgrade and do that but it's very much like how i feel in a given day <laughs> um or like what me and the team kind of want to work on and i think it's it's created a better product as a result um and a very unique product that i, I don't think a lot of people have like yeah a lot of people go into bento and they're like wow this has a lot of really cool kind of quirky stuff in it this is awesome um and a lot of that's just from us kind of doing what we want to do which is kind of what the business is there for so it's a fun business absolutely and i feel like i should have asked this first but how did you come up with the idea of launching bento and did you always know you wanted to build software or was that something that was just like a natural iteration uh always wanted to build software my old man uh, ran a software company in Australia, hardware company, like a retail kind of POS uh, company. And yeah, I had been doing computers since I was really young, but I was a really naughty student. So like I played a lot of video games. <laughs> I wasn't like coding when I was 12 or whatever. Um, but then after school, like uh, went into retail, e-com, kind of that path uh, and then did consulting and then, you know, agency, yada, yada. And then kind of in my early 20s, started to teach myself to code. A little bit more um and then yeah my coding skills just got a little bit better and better and then i uh had an idea which i kind of wanted to create like a single kind of customer journey platform that was kind of the the idea and that was about four years ago kind of like you know i was stitching all these tools together i was using i was using drip i was using yada yada you know you stitching all these tools together and i was like ah oh, it'd be cool if all those tools were in one. <laughs> like it was kind of one of those those ideas. But I had no idea how to kind of pull it off. And I met um, an amazing guy uh, called Andrew Culver, who's a Ruby developer, and uh, he was working on kind of like a uh, Ruby on Rails kind of template product. And he just started it, and I said, "I'll be your first customer." Um, can I also hire you to teach me like Ruby on Rails and also like build the first version of Bento? And so he came on for the first couple of years and I, I took cash from the agency, invested it into him to help me build Bento. And then uh, over time, I just took over more and more responsibility till I was basically doing majority of it and then started to bring on contractors to help on very like purposeful areas, right? Um, learn off them, take over more responsibility. And that's kind of been the general pattern. And I've really enjoyed it because... Yeah, hire people smarter than you, learn how they do it, take over the ropes and just kind of like kind of keep on building. It's been, yeah, built like kind of lifelong relationships and friends that way. It's been a really cool way to build a company. Hard though, awesome. but fun. Um, I always like to ask a few lightning round questions yeah. at the end of these. Um, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write it about? Oh. Um, I'm such a bad writer. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe a book on trying to tell people that they can do it all themselves. <laughs> it's like a lot of stuff isn't as hard as they think it is. Um, yeah, maybe a book on like self-teaching yourself development. That'd be kind of fun. Um, cause there's been a lot of stuff like over the past couple of years that I have just had to learn myself and, yeah, a lot of stuff that was really intimidating like jesse four years ago would have been super intimidated by the stuff i'm i'm doing now um and i constantly reflect on that and even recently like i've been thinking there's a lot of stuff that does intimidate me um like we're dealing with so much data now and um the business is getting larger but there are people that 
deal with more scarier problems than mine. And every time I talk to them, they make things calm again. <laughs> um, and so potentially a book on that, but not many people would buy it, but I think the general sentiment there <laughs> uh, may be interesting to some. Yeah. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on like how, on like how chatting, that's like such an interesting perspective of chatting with businesses that you, I think you'd mentioned like are a lot scarier and how that's still like, you know, kind of creates almost yeah. a Zen-like feeling. Yeah. So I'll give you a very specific uh, instance. So I, uh, we are currently on Heroku. It's uh, like a platform to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. run your software businesses on. Uh, it's just AWS kind of managed. And we're just dealing with a lot of data on uh, a database called uh, Postgres. And um, it's just a lot of data <laughs> and it's really intimidating. And there are some things that are scary. There's a lot of things that you read online that uh, of like issues that can go wrong with Postgres and like the amount of data that we were ingesting every day was starting to get kind of like intimidating to me. And so what I did was, um, and this is an example of me paying for expertise, but I'll also give an example of not paying for it. I decided to upgrade to Heroku Enterprise, pay the premium and get premium support for the year. I just wanted a year where I could hit up them and ask them whatever I wanted at any hour of the day and I would get a response. <laughs> and so I put in a ticket uh, the first week of January this year uh, with their um, database expert. Uh, it's just one guy called Jesse as well uh, in San Francisco. And I jumped on the phone with him and I went, hey man, all this stuff's super scary. Can we like just go through these points? And we ripped through it in like an hour. And I went from like, I think my business is going to die to like, I'm empowered in, in that hour. And all he did was, you know, um, not hopefully this doesn't insult him, but he was a great, like a, a great beard software developer who'd been doing databases for decades. He, he like, he, he was exactly who I needed to talk to and um, incredibly wise, smart dude. And it was just great. It was just a great conversation. Um, and when you have those moments, yeah, you go, when you see someone that's like looking at the same problem set as you and they're confident and calm, there's generally no reason to worry. Um, and then also now, cause I'm paying for it, there's no reason to worry. Cause if I run into an issue, I can, I can talk to him. And so my customer's data is safe. Uh, everything's kind of good. And I'm just not worried anymore. Um, so knowing that I've got that resource has been good. Now on the free front, um, I have reached out to so many different, like see, not random, but like seemingly random people on like Twitter and stuff um, to ask people that, you know, you like semi-engage with, you talk back and forth with um, about very complex problems uh, that I know they're possibly dealing with. Uh, and for some reason, they're more than happy to give up their time and talk to me. Some little, you know, unknown Australian guy in the South of Japan. Um, they just do it. And it's nice. It's like the most loveliest thing. Like a, a guy called Phil that works at close.com, which is um, a CRM. And I knew that they have way more data than me. And I hit him up and I went, Hey man, can I just talk to you for a little bit um, about how you're doing that? <laughs> and he did, he totally did. And, and he has a whole bunch of problems and I've got a, his problems are more scary than mine. Um, so then I was calm and he's like, Oh, you should probably deal with like those two things this way and that way. And I was like, all right, cool. That's nice. Uh, on the Heroku Postgres side, before I spoke to the guy, um, the enterprise guy, I reached out to like two or three friends, uh, the CTO at Podia, I reached out to and, and chatted with him. And he showed me all of his backend in terms of like how they set it up and stuff. I was incredibly gracious with his time, you know, talk to Andrew Culver, ask him 
complex questions and he gives me his opinion, which is often mostly correct because uh, he's dealing with much larger systems day to day. So yeah, where possible, asking for help uh, has been kind of critical as a leader to not lose your mind because a lot of stuff I think you worry about it's just manufactured human anxieties that are mostly unfounded, but maybe they are, maybe, maybe those anxieties are true, um, but they become not true when you have help. And the only way you get help is asking for it. Absolutely. And before we wrap up, where can listeners find you online? Uh, Twitter is good. J-E-S-S-E-T-H-A-N-L-E-Y. And you can DM me or whatever. I'm pretty available there. Yeah, that's the main one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jesse. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.